all the things that happened between me and Donovan within our team and also in the world, I think it really helped us to understand each other better. And now I'm really sure that, and I'm speaking with my heart, we know we can win together. And I want to win with Donovan. Rudy Gobert. Welcome to the podcast that was soft booking flights to Salt Lake City for a championship parade after game one, and then making sure the 2021 lottery was set to record on their DVR after game two. <laughs> uh, we, we call this twos and threes. I'm Mark, and the Harry Kane doppelganger across the Zoomosphere from me right now is my brother, Doug. Doug, season two. Let's go. What's up, man? Um, Let's go. I'm ready. I'm excited. We, we both um, kind of maybe we took a podcasting holiday slumber um and here we are we're, we're ready to rip it out it's twos and threes um so let's get at it season two baby let's do it yeah i mean this is we we did kind of a couple post-season one episodes about Derek favors and about the um maybe one of my favorite episodes um with with our dad, father of the pod on Larry Miller and the Miller's family and, and Ryan Qualtrics. Um, but this is the first season. We want to do a preseason one. I, I've been crazy slam with work. Um, you were finishing up school gallivanting around all over the Western United States, all safe. Uh, and always and wearing mining, a mask. Yeah. Mining know. protocols. Uh, but here we are. Yeah, we're Doug, we've watched two regular season basketball games, and man, can I tell you how much I needed it? Um, so, so let's do this. Um, I mean, this we call this twos and threes. There's two of us, and we do three segments, and it feels really good for me to say. Wait, what happened this week? Um, and what happened this week was some basketball, real live regular season jazz basketball. And for those who might have missed it. Um, after the Jazz first played the Portland Trailblazers, after which important people in my life were sending me texts saying that the Jazz looked like the 1718 Warriors. Um, and then and then shortly thereafter, the Jazz played the Minnesota Timberwolves at home and lost a tough one where they had a chance to to tie it really at, at the end with four seconds left and uh, couldn't get the ball inbounds on a five-second violation. And then everybody on Twitter was going after Quinn Snyder's head. So it feels like kind of like the regular season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we oh, we're, just, we're just right back into swing. I mean, what's what's a 20-point victory without a late-game loss and a during-the-game kind of blowout feel? Yeah, man. I, like, it's a pulse check for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so 538 has us predicted to just kidding. I don't care. We've played two games. Um, so <laughs> we, we typically like to run through kind of the, the predictors and where we were versus last year and all this stuff. We played two games. Um, we won one by a lot. We lost another one by a little bit and didn't look very good. But the way we've kind of done this in the past, Doug, is we, we play a little game and I, I just like to make up segments and subsegments. So we play a little game called three on three. Uh, where we kind of talk about, you know, three or so points. We fudge the numbers a little bit that kind of stood out to us in the first couple games. So we've text back and forth about a few. And I kind of want to do that. So can I tee you up um, for the first for the first thing that it's just kind of like the, the thing that jumped out at me. And I, I will say I've, for this segment um, in segment two, we're going to talk a little bit more about the big offseason stuff which bleeds into the season two with Donovan and Rudy. 
Um, so these are kind of the non-Rudy Donovan things that have stuck out to me. And the first one is the return of your favorite and my favorite and our favorite duo, um, Derek Favors and Joe Ingles. And I don't know, t- tell me about it. Well, what, what have you, what have you seen there? Well, I think, you know, kind of leading up to it, it's like the most fun thing to watch as far as jazz basketball, pick and roll, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors. And I think especially game one was really just what we needed, right? Um, just watching, I mean, D Faves just has the ultimate hands and Joe Ingles knows how to get him the ball. And so watching game one, it just felt right. Derek Favors, so whatever his hairstyle, he he just looks amazing in the pick and roll with Joe Ingles. So we should get that. We should get that out of the way. We should get the hair out of the way because he is sporting one of my least favorite dudes. And it's just because like the the braids, it's like the braid look that's meant to look like a 90s bull cut. Um, So it's like you're you're mixing Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Allen Iverson or something. It's just not my favorite. Anthony Davis has done it. Russell Westbrook had a version of it. I'll say this, Derek Favors does it better than anybody else. I just like every other hair option that he has better than this one, but he still looks good um, within the span of that haircut. That, that's my hot take. I don't, I don't know. You might like it better. Yeah, here's my thing. My, a wise person said this to me once, um, and her name was Mom. The great thing about <laughs> hair is that no matter what, it comes back, I guess, for, for the most part. And so, uh, yeah, for Derek, I don't think Derek's in danger of going the other way on that. So, right. So, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of different, different stuff being tried out, but I do like a good buzz cut Derek favors. But the fact that he's wearing a jazz jersey, um, that's the only way I need to see him. Yeah. And it, this is what jumped out to me in the Trailblazers game, which, I mean, it was kind of the most beautiful box score you could look at. I mean, the Jazz set a record for most three point attempts in, in a game for the franchise, which was great. But to me, it was just, boom, Joe Ingles' line and Derek Favors' line on the bench, and they looked pretty good next to, to Jordan Clarkson's as well. But first game back together, Ingles had 14 points, 5 for 10 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. A number of those were to Derek. He was 5 for 5 in 16 minutes. In 16 minutes, he was 5 for 5 with 7 rebounds and 10 points and plus a million and the Jazz didn't skip a beat. In fact, they went on their first big run when Rudy sat out. There's been a lot of talk in the offseason was, I mean, you know, you and I were captains of the team, just emotional reconciliation and like Derek Favors um, sort of just being good for mental health in 2020, having him come back. But there were people who said this was an overspend on use, the Jazz using the mid-level exception for somebody who's going to come off the bench and I just, I think, look, I, Tony Jones said this, I think uh, other people have, but I think he said it the best. The Jazz felt like the biggest glaring gap on the team last year were the non-Gobert minutes. And guess what? Um, against the Blazers, those non-Gobert minutes looked great. And he looked worth every penny. Yeah, I have to say, kind of overall, the, the Trailblazers game, because the Minnesota game was not as fun obviously but the trailblazers game was just kind of the ultimate package that i needed in a game one um because i mean you break it down the starters played really well um 
then the bench comes out, plays awesome. Joe and Derek are beautiful. And I, I'm, I'm, I was kind of nervous and I guess I'm still interested to see how it shakes out. But with Joe Ingles kind of not knowing his role last year as the bench guy, I feel like this season, I mean, he's not a bench guy. He's, I mean, he's played, let's see, in like essentially 25 plus minutes every game. Um, but Joe coming off the bench was hard every for last, last year as far as his rhythm goes. And so it was fun to see him come off with Derek and kind of um, have a really good game. And then the ending of the game was so fun to me with Elijah Hughes, our guy Doke, um, Doke. and and Mia Oni coming on just in the last couple minutes. Dude, and big Doke dunking scoring. in Ennis Cantor's face. Give me that. Oh, Every day man. for the rest of my life, I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just felt like that was the first. It was like the perfect segmentation of everything that I needed to see in the first game. Yeah, it was great, and I thought the yeah the rotation thing is interesting. And I think I think Joe had a hard time adjusting to it last year, but it also was he was coming off the bench with a bunch of dudes he wasn't used to playing with, and and now he's got Derek, and he's more used to Jordan. But I thought the rotations have been really interesting because Quinn's been bringing – he started this in, like, the second game of the preseason, and it, I think it's held true both these games, where the first substitution, um, Mike and uh, Mike and Rudy go out at, like, six minutes, and they used to play Rudy longer. And this makes it so – I mean, David Locke talked about this on a podcast, but it makes it so that Rudy plays three stretches a half instead of two and gets Derek a little more minutes – and I just like it. I like that six minutes, Joe Ingles and Derek Favors come in. And then after that, you're staggering Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell the whole game. And I think Mike Conley's look really good through two games. And you're staggering uh, Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. And, and it's not none of these hockey line substitutions, um, first unit, second unit. Uh, all the guys that you want to have playing 25 plus minutes are um and yeah in that first game pretty much everybody looked good game two let's let's just talk about it before we go because it, it feeds into everything we've been saying um and maybe it feeds into my second uh well here let me give you the second thing that i had in in our three on three which was was bogdanovich being back and bogey being back it's so i mean the the net positive effect is so apparent and and at the same time, it sort of gives me a little bit of an explanation for the two games, right? Because he hasn't played basketball in a long time at a competitive level. He's notoriously awful shooting in the preseason and awesome shooting in the regular season. We talked about this last year. And uh, game one, you know, some some fits and starts, but he ended up like plus 22, I think, team high. Um, four for 11 from three. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good bogey game against the Timberwolves was a pretty bad bogey game. And he really had a hard time dribbling in traffic and he just never really got a good rhythm shooting. Uh, at the same time, look how worried I am about it, Doug. You can see me on zoom. Like I'm, 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 I'm making a really small space between my thumb and my index finger. You're I'm not worried at all. Right? Actually. It's even less than that. Yeah. I mean, about, yeah, I'm just, but are you are you worried about it at all? I mean, what, what's your Bogdanovich is back take? Okay, 
let, let me pull this up. Um, I'm just going to read you the travesty that is the off-season media talk on Boyan, Be- Boyan Bogdanovich. Just the fact, I'm just going to tell you how ridiculous it is right now just to show how much I don't, I'm not worried at all about Boyan. Okay. The dude goes out, gets 20 points a game last season, two amazing game winners, and was the missing piece to the Jazz moving on in the playoffs, yep. and gets dropped from 48th overall to 73rd in the top 100 on ESPN. Um, I mean, come on. So game, game two of the regular season, he got a wrist surgery. Um, and no, I think he's going to be amazing. Um, and I'm... I'm not afraid. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no he's, I think, he's totally fine. Yeah. Here's my thing on that second game. Um, so, so the people in my life telling me that the Jazz look like the 17-18 Warriors. The 17-18 Warriors are the best team I've I've seen in my lifetime. <laughs> so I don't think that should be the goal. But here's the thing: that team had a ton of games. So it's easy to look at the two games and say, okay, the, the two differences and the reason the Jazz lost were turnovers and three-point shooting. I think you could, you could make that argument. Um, I mean, the Jazz shot actually like right on their season percentage from last year against the Blazers, so it wasn't an anomalous shooting. They shot 38%, but they shot 53s, and they took 53s in May 19. Incredible. Against the Timberwolves, they took a meager 34 would have seemed like a lot a couple of years ago, uh, kind of just normal and shot 29%. And then worse, they turned the ball over 18 times versus 11. Um, but you know what? Those things are going to happen. The turnovers early in the season, I mean, the turnovers are a problem for the Jazz for the past few years. So it, it's not something to gloss over. But the reason, the thing about the 17, 18 Warriors, and just, I'm just going to say great, great teams. The thing about great teams is, on those nights when the shooting isn't good and variance in three-point shooting is a big determining factor in outcomes of a lot of basketball games now, um, are you great enough to sort of overcome it and win the close game and come back at the end? And that Warriors team just did it all the time. They did it to, to the Jazz a bunch. And we kind of almost did it. I thought the Jazz played pretty poor for their standards, but good enough to hang around and they had a chance to win at the end and they didn't. And that's just kind of where this team is. Is this... I think this has this team has a chance to be a really great team. And right now I think they're a really good team. And you know, I don't that's that's it. Like people can say superstar. I saw Jonathan Tavernari, former BYU basketball player, in fact, interacted with him on this on Twitter, uh, saying like superstars don't play like Donovan did that game. Like, whatever. Um, yeah, they do. Damian Lillard did in the first game of the season. The Clippers today lost by like 700 points to the Mavericks. Did you see that? At one point yeah, it was 73 to 20 or something. I mean, the net, the Gordon Hayward's Charlotte Hornets who hadn't won a game yet just beat the Nets. Like things happen. Really, really good teams will will fi- like great teams will find a way to win those games more often than not. Uh, the Jazz didn't yesterday, um, but I'm just really bullish on on all the offensive weapons we have and and the improved defense um i think i mean something that we can definitely feel good about is the fact that even though they played so terribly throughout the whole game they were right there they were one five second violation away from um a potential game tying overtime or 
late game win. So can we get away from five second and eight second violations oh, costing man. us? I was thinking grief. the same thing. <laughs> I felt like the dude was moving his arm a little too fast too. Like I, I watched it back and I was just like, that that was a quick, that was a hot five seconds. Nobody else seemed to think that. So maybe I'm just, uh, I no, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe he put some money on the game or something like that. And he had to make sure that's no, just kidding. Like but, if that, I'm just saying if, I don't know if that ref like was harboring from like playing seven seconds in heaven with a, a girl in like the 12th grade, was she tried or the get out of the closet fast or something. That joke. <laughs> <laughs> fell a little flatter than I was trying. <laughs> anyways, I just felt like, and I think it was seven minutes in heaven, wasn't that? Anyways, five seconds. That was a fast five seconds. Um, I thought the play was going to work if Jordan didn't slip. But here's my third thing, um, Doug, is Jordan Clarkson, who was kind of the reason we were in the game. And the other thing this offseason is a lot of people sort of bemoan the Jazz a little bit or, or made light of the Jazz. I'm looking at, at the John Hollingers of the world. More to come on him later in this paying Jordan Clarkson. We didn't ever pay anything. We didn't. I would have paid Jordan all the money. I would I, like. I hope Ryan Qualtrics gave him some under the table money because through two games he continues to be awesome. Like his line in that game: twenty-three minutes, twenty-three points, eight for seventeen from the field. He got to the line six times, and he was the one like positive guy. He's plus six. He was awesome in the first game too. Uh, I just, I just love my guy. I love that he's on our team. I love that he almost loses the ball every time he dribbles, but then he doesn't lose it. And then he makes, makes it. And he's just really fun to watch. Yeah. So talking about Jordan Clarkson here, I kind of wanted, so just drove back from, from Utah to Oregon. And I was listening to some of our early podcasts from last season. And I thought it was funny um, that both of us had the wish of Dante Exum having such an awesome season. Or we listened to the Dante Exum, um, crap, what's the shoe company? Commercial Locker commercials. Full locker, yeah. full locker. Yeah. Full locker. Um, and I was just sitting there laughing to our desires and just our one conversation right when Jordan Clarkson was traded to the team. <laughs> I mean, no, I feel like that, and this is, a ridiculous thought. So I'm not even going to say it, but just the impact that Jordan Clarkson had last season, um, we needed to re-sign him and, and yeah. the guy got paid and he's still playing and he's playing great. Um, Do you know, Jordan Clarkson was the Dante Exum that we, that we wanted all along. And, and the, here's the thing. Sometimes people forget how to be fans and he's fun. Like, how is he not like the funnest person to cheer for? And the other thing is the John Hollanders, I get that people think players are who they are at a certain point, but the knock on Jordan Clarkson before was that he shot along a lot of bad shots, like long fallaway twos for the jazz. He doesn't shoot any bad shots. He he's gotten so good at shooting coming off of a screen, like the, like quick three barely behind the line. And he's got, he's so good around the basket. He's the best finisher around the basket that the jazz have. And I, I think he's one of the best finishers in the NBA. Maybe I'll take this as a little stats homework, but he, it, he just has incredible touch. Um, and he's fun. He's just fun. He's fun on social media. He's fun on everything. Uh, he's, he's like fast. Like if, if, if it was 12 year old me or 10 year old me, like who was in love with blue Edwards, Jordan Clarkson would be my favorite basketball player. Probably. Oh, he's just man. that type of dude that you love. You're, th- you're throwing it down. 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying that if he was on the nineties jazz, when blue Edwards was, he would have been my favorite. Um, so yeah, I don't know. He, he's fun here. Here's my one like tempered thing that I'm just as, can we put a little pin in this, like a little sticky note on the wall to come back to. Yeah. I didn't really notice it in the first game, but is Royce defensively who I've always been a big proponent and fan of, in that Minnesota game was looking a little bit Denver series Royce to me again, where like in the, at the end of the game, it just felt like D'Angelo Russell got to the exact same spot on the court where he wanted to be like three times in a row on him. And I get, it's like a long two follow away two, but clearly that's like a little D'Angelo Russell's in practice, putting like an X tape on the spot, exact spot on the floor where he wants to get to and shoot that shot. And Royce did not seem able to prevent him from doing it. And finally Rudy came up, and like hedge really hard on a screen to stop him. I just, I just want to see Royce not die on screens. Like I've, I'm not like, I love Royce O'Neal. I think it's going to be fine, but I'm just like, want to post a note to be like, make sure Royce is playing the kind of defense that he's capable of soon. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely something good to watch. Cause that's, that's his calling card really is his ability to be our lockdown guy. Um, and he's got to be our Jay Crowder, like I said last year. Yeah, it's just like I mean, with Derek, they solved a lot of the defense, which is just the Jazz are a little vulnerable on the perimeter, but they've got two all-world defenders in the paint. Yeah, um, but they're still a little vulnerable out there, so we we need him to do well. No, that's I totally agree. That I mean, that's really I guess if you would say one of our main weak spots is being able to shut down the perimeter guy with where, I mean, I remember when we drafted Donovan, the, they talked so much about how he would be this big effort guy as a perimeter defender, not knowing that he would be the primary scorer and all-star that he is. But um, as far as him and yeah. Mike, not necessarily being known as shut down defenders, um, definitely need Royce. Yeah, they're just small. They did good again. They did good in the Blazers game. I mean, the Jazz schematically did really good against Dame, and we normally don't. Um, yeah. But anyways, all right. Well, Doug, I think that's that's kind of where I think we, those. You know, that's what we want to cover in segment one on those two. I think you know going forward this season, we're going to try to have segment two kind of be our our pod friend segment. But this is the first part of the season, and there's just a lot to cover. And frankly, we don't have time for some randos opinions. Um, so it's you and me segment two, and this is what I want to talk about. Segment two. <laughs> Yay! Um, the big offseason stuff, because we just haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. I mean, obviously, we talked about Derek, um, but since then, um, Donovan Mitchell signed a max extension, and Rudy Gobert signed a huge extension and I want to talk about them with you. And first I've got thoughts on, uh, let's just go chronological order here. What did it mean to you, Donovan Mitchell extension? And, and look, I will say one thing as a setup and we can come back to this or you can talk about it if you want right at first, there was all this to do, especially on, on jazz Twitter about the fact that he got a player option in the last year and historically, nobody in their second contract has gotten a five-year 
full max extension with the player option a year early. He basically could have signed this next summer, but he signed it this summer. Now, Jason Tatum also signed and got it. I've got my opinions on this. You can talk about that if you want, or just talk about the fact that, hey, Donovan Mitchell signed a five-year extension. You know, your thoughts. Um, I mean, for me, it's pure excitement. As far as, um, so the deal is five years, 165 million. I'm pretty sure 165 is base because with incentives, he can get up to 195. Um, Nice work if you can get it. Right. (laughs) And I mean, otherworldly money, right? He's never going to spend it all. But um, even with the early year player option i'm just stoked i don't know um i actually i actually didn't see the Jalen rose video when it happened but i saw it when you retweeted it (laughs) with your comments um but seeing people in the media saying like Jalen rose as respected as he is um i mean sometimes he says ridiculous things but saying that he didn't see donovan mitchell signing a long-term extension with the jazz um it i mean it just shows his commitment to the team. It shows his commitment to the state and the organization. Obviously, there was communication there that they were trying to re-sign Rudy, and he was fine with it and was obviously about it. Um, so I think it just means good stuff all around. It means he wants to be here um, for the time being. It means he wants to play with Rudy, and he believes that it's going to be good. Um, so if he believes those things, then I already believed him like 10 seconds before he did. So I, I, am just pure stoke. I think the, I mean, the, the one year or the player option at the end of the fourth year, the negative side shows that he could leave then, or the positive side shows that he could just resign a bigger deal. Um, I mean, it's just an opportunity for him to have monetary flexibility. So I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't read into that. Um, that's, I mean, LeBron signs a two-year contract every year, right? If, yeah. Or a one-year yeah. contract. So yeah. um, it's just kind of how the league is. Yep. I totally agree with you. For, yeah. Firstly, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I saw somebody tweet this the other day, like Serge Ibaka was wearing Donovan Mitchell's shoes in a game. They never even been on the same team. So the fact that Serge Ibaka and some other guy, I can't even remember, who have never even played on the same team as Donovan Mitchell as are wearing his shoes and that dude's on the jazz? Are you kidding me, Doug? Are you kidding me? Pay him all the money. Like, this is – he's literally the coolest person who's ever been on this this team, other than maybe Jordan Clarkson. And uh, <laughs> he's super marketable. Look, I get it. Okay. The second contract, these players always sign, right? I mean, the question was, was this summer or next summer? Will he do four years? Will he do five years? He's so financially incentivized to stay. But that Jalen Rose thing, and by the way, Jalen Rose also said 95% certain Kawhi goes back to Toronto. So maybe we should all just, you know, take Jalen Rose with a grain of salt, whom I love. I love his book. I have his book on Audible. It's great. Um, But – yeah, Don, Donovan, um, and then other people. I, I saw several people on Twitter, kind of basketball people, saying this is his last year with the Jared, all this stuff. He doesn't want to play with Rudy. Re- relationships unsalvageable. 
after all that to see him sign it, I was thrilled. And I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I think there are some really smart people that I like a lot on jazz Twitter who, who thought that the player option was a finger in the eye to the franchise. And to me, I'm like, get over it, get over it. What are you talking about? For exactly the reason you said, like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not like if, if my current employer was like, Hey, I'll give you a five-year contract or, or, or you can have like, like if there was an option to get a player option at the end of, and I would take it. Like, I don't know if my boss is going to leave. I don't know if the company's stock's going to go sideways. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if like there a bunch of new people are going to come and I'm not going to know them. Like keeping flexibility makes sense. And he is at a level where the market, his market is the most money available. Any team will pay him the most money available, or there's at least going to be a handful of teams. And so to be able to opt out a year early, if he's healthy and get a bigger contract makes sense. It just makes sense. It's not selfish. It's, it's self-focused. It's smart. And maybe he does want to leave earlier. And I get that the clock on these contracts, like James Harden signed a big extension. And now he's demanding a trade. Anthony Davis demanded a trade early. I, I get it. We're on the clock with him, but he wants to be here to your point. I think he knew that they wanted to sign Rudy and that Rudy was going to get signed. Um, I think they're past their stuff and I, yeah, I'll save a little bit of that for him, but I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just like, this was huge. Um, and it's, and I think he looks great so far. I think he's passing better. I think he's getting to the free throw line better. And I don't know. I mean, it's just like, this was, it shouldn't be glossed over that this was awesome. And, and people that are like teams haven't done this in the past. The GM gave up too much by giving the player option. The Celtics did the same thing to Tatum. The market markets change on these things to think that the jazz had the leverage here is, is asinine in my opinion. I mean, what free agents have we signed? I mean, Salt Lake city, Utah is a small market and yeah, he seems to like it. And yeah, we think it's a great market and yeah, Ryan Smith's going to help recruit people here. Yada, yada, but we'll, we'll pay him, pay him everything. That was my view. Oh, I mean, did we give him enough? Does does he need yeah. a second star at the city? What else can we give month? him? Can we give him anything else? I, like, I just, to me, it's so dumb. The, the negotiation should have been like, hey, Donovan, uh, we'll give you everything. And he'd be like, all right, cool. That That's what it would have been if it was me. Done. Yeah. Um, but more long and hairy and complicated was our friend, Rudy Gobert. Um, it just took, it took a little longer. It kind of interesting timing how it was announced pretty shortly after Ryan Smith, the NBA board of governors approved him changing um, and being the, the owner. Um, but I've got, yeah, I just got long winded on that and I, I can get long winded on this too. Uh, what'd you think about the number? What'd you think about the years? What'd you think about everything around it? Yeah, so Rudy got five years to a two hundred and five million. When he, um, which was not the supermax that he was eligible for, which was five years, two hundred twenty-eight million, which Giannis got. Um, and honestly, well, again, let me put together my thoughts here. First off, I thought it Please. was cool. We both talked about it. That. <clears throat> I mean, Rudy's an all-star, and with every advanced metric you can see, he is one of the most impactful players in the league. Like, he's going to get paid, and he deserves to be paid. Um, I mean, he fit the bill and the criteria for everything that the league has in place for getting paid a lot of money. Um, But 
we both and talking in the past maybe felt uncomfortable with the supermax but maybe we were just like just pay the guy because he deserves it and he wants to be here um i think 205 million is really fair i don't think i don't think 23 million over five years is that big (laughs) i mean but here's one one thing that I just think is kind of funny is that um, I'm just I'm gonna say this first though everything was beautiful I'm so stoked that he signed um, I love the fact that um, in all of the articles and they've been so sweet and this is just kind of a funny thing to me that I want to say to you but um, that he said that he didn't ask for the supermax but it's like 205 million is still a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know (laughs) like over (laughs) yeah i thought it was funny i I thought it was funny to that point that uh that there 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 was like porter larson who's a who's on espn 700 i think right he's a a radio personality in utah tweeted something that was like rudy's camp asked for the super max the jasmine back with the regular max and then there was like news aggregation of that tweet that said Rudy refuses max contract demands super max or something. And it was like all based off of a tweet that, that Porter Larson later corrected or, or clarified. And like, it's just funny how these things go out and people like people are salivating to hate Rudy Gobert. It seems like, but yeah, my, my thing was that is a ton of money. It's a ton of money. And I think he deserves it. And I would have, I wouldn't have faulted the franchise for giving him the super max. I think the super max, is tough and probably only should go to like less than a handful of people, but he is, I mean, I would refer everyone to this really awesome um, salt city hoops article that was written by Dan Clayton, who I think is really great. Um, He's also a great Twitter follow and it was, it's called Utah's unique superstar. And it just basically lays out all these statistical arguments and metrics that show him as at least one of the 15 best basketball players alive people always say most impactful and i i tend to do that too but what the hell does that mean it it just means the best he's one of the 15 like if we're all playing pickup basketball and we're going to choose teams and there are however many of them you're not going to choose 15 people before you choose rudy gobert if you're just interested in in winning um and so i don't know uh, it was great but I, i'll just say this doug i was telling this to Kristen. um i was sad in march about this and the subsequent months. And obviously there was a lot going on in the world and it felt like a small thing in comparison, but I was just sad that I had these two guys on my team whom I liked so much. And Rudy really has just been my favorite player um, in a long, long time. And I just thought maybe I'm not going to, maybe I'm not going to be able to watch them, you know, again, or for very much longer and so when he signed and he wrote the thank you Utah note and totally just subtweeted Gordon Hayward, and then he just wrote it so beautiful and he gave that quote in the in in an article in an interview with the Undefeated that the that our our podcast narrator my daughter Haley read at the beginning, I it was amazing. I mean the the Boris Diaw video, I I just honestly cried that <laughs> a few times. I'm I'm gonna admit it like. I got I got dusty eyed and it's because like, look, Rudy Gobert wasn't a high draft pick. Rudy Gobert is there's a the, the NBA history is littered with seven feet guys 
who don't really like playing basketball. So they never get better and they don't do much. Um, he was a meme with Steph Curry um, spinning around. And what did he do? He just got better at guarding the perimeter. He's gotten better at free throw shooting. He's just, he's just gotten better and he cares. And it's everything I want in a fan. I think he's, he's a little bit um, out there sometimes in quotes to people, but I think they're normally just really smart and introspective and self-aware and how he took the Donovan thing and just really seems from an outsider's perspective to have said, I had, I, there was stuff on me here and I need to be better and I'm going to make this relationship better and work. And he really seems like he's earnestly done that. And I, I have said this on Twitter. I mean, I I've used to say is my favorite basketball player since Carl Malone. He's just my favorite basketball player, period. I, he's just the one that I like to cheer for the most. And Donovan Mitchell is like one a or something. And I'm just super stoked that they're going to be on the team together. And I'll just say two things real quick from a schematic thing because people have talked a lot can he play in the playoffs does he clog the paint for donovan yada yada i think one he looks great this season so far i thought last season was like 85 percent of the full go bear experience at times or, or maybe a little bit higher but he didn't look totally on physically he's he looks more energetic faster better and i love the this the subtle adjustments they've made in his positioning on the court and in the pick and roll that started in the bubble and seem better now. It's like he trails Donovan more on the pick to give Donovan more of a lane to the rim. And like in that Timberwolves game, he did this, Donovan did this awesome bounce pass that hit him like high or yeah. so perfect for a dunk that awesome. And then they slot him in the dunker spot a little bit more. And he just, I just think the idea that, all the good stuff he does otherwise is negated by his presence in the paint on offense is false, a false idea and lacks creative thinking. And I think Quinn and the jazz have thought creatively to say, how can we best maximize little avenues and lanes? And I think he looks better at pick and roll and Mike too. And guess what, Doug, I don't know. I'm talking too much. I'm just going to say, I love Rudy Gobert. Um, I'm super happy that he's on the team. Um, he liked a tweet that I made about him, which made my day and that's it. Rudy and Donovan are here. We're going to be very good for at least the next four years. And then Donovan's got a player option or whatever. I, I think if, if we're as good as we can be, they'll want to stay longer. But in the meantime, like what is it, how can we be anything other than happy about this? Oh, I don't think there's anything but joy and I really think you summed it up beautifully. That was that was amazing. Like you kind of pulled at my heartstrings. Um, made I was silly about I've my been, I was a that day. But granted, I was tired, Doug, and I've been. I was like up till two in the morning working the day before, so I was a little. I was in an emotionally vulnerable state on the day of his signing. Um, well, what about this last thing in this segment on a related note? Just because I think it's funny. <laughs> like two seconds after this, the Twitter GMs of the world are like, "Okay, so now." the Jazz need to trade Mike Conley or something. And I'm like, good grief. <laughs> Just give me a break. I think I want to say this about Mike. This is, I don't know if you've got more, but I think he looks really good. I, I, people are saying he doesn't look comfortable. Whatever. I think first two games, he looks much more confident uh, than he did early last year. He's shooting the ball well again. And he looks like he fits in good with the team. And I, I, I'm super optimistic about him this season. I, I just think he's going to have a good year. 
Oh, I agree. I think um, next to twi Twitter GMs, I just put poo poo. Twitter <laughs> GMs are dumb. Um, no, I think Mike Conley looks like Bubble Mike right now. I mean, maybe not prime Bubble Mike, but I think he looks good. Um, yeah. I think he looks and, better. He shot amazing in the bubble. So, but I think he looks even even more integrated and comfortable. Right. Personally. Um, and yeah, I, I saw all sorts of different stuff, like, <clears throat> like the jazz only have the option of like getting rid of Gobert and then they have space to add maybe, maybe someone good in free agency or signing Gobert and Mitchell. And then they'll only be able to get anyone good from the draft or all the stupid stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but I guess the one thing about Twitter is that it's an open space for people to express their feelings and to think that they have a little bit more power than they really do. But um, you really can't decide what's going to happen with the Jazz. I mean, the signing day, and especially sitting in your Twitter GM seat. So, um, like you said, we just have to enjoy it. Um, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's so interesting, like, like who knows what could happen two years ago that Warriors looked like they could never lose another game. And now it looks like they may never win another game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nuts. Um, the Jazz could win the next three championships. Who knows? So yeah. let's, let's all right. Well, give me this then Doug, this, we didn't talk about this before, but this is our first real podcast of the season. What's your like real uh, ceiling and roof of this team this year? Sorry. Ceiling and floor. Ceiling and floor. Okay. Um, let me see. The... Thanks a lot, Michael Jordan, for ruining that for me for always. I can't even say the thing right. Ceiling and floor. The, ro the roof is the ceiling? Is that the ceiling is the roof? Um, okay. I'm going to say, and I think we talked about this last, last year, where I think I said the two seed to the six seed is my floor or something like that. Um, I really feel like the Jazz are getting – okay, this is just a quick rant really fast, but, like, the Suns and the Pelicans, like, I can't stand general NBA media right now. It's just so annoying. It's um, the worst. Well, how about the fact that the Jazz literally lost to the Nuggets by half of a basketball, and, like, the Nuggets are in the upper echelon of everybody's tier, and the Jazz are, like, fighting to stay out of the play-in game. right. Um, I honestly, okay, this is after game one, I thought after game one addition of Derek favors, we now have the best defense in the NBA. Um, game two, I was a little more shaky on that, but <laughs> Anthony after Edwards game one, I felt we now have the best 48 minutes of defensive basketball. And if we can hit threes, we're for sure the two seed. Um, and we're going to shoot 50 threes a game, man. 50, 50 was the record. We should. We should. Um, I think I think the Lakers are really good as far as a regular season team. Um, injuries are so hard to tell. I think the ceiling for the Jazz is probably the two seed. And there's a big squishy mush in the middle of the playoffs um, and the rankings. And I could see them going down to the six if, like, Mike gets injured or 
requiring Rudy or Don. Yeah, and there's COVID. And listen, uh, it turns out after I ask you that question, that's the wrong question. Because there, by definition, the floor is at least six or seven just because there are so many competitive teams. But really where I would put them in the, in, in the pecking order is just after the Lakers, right there with the Clippers. And I, I think the Nuggets took a step back. I, I don't want to overreact to two games for them either, but they haven't looked great the first two games. I just don't know if defensively, I, I just think they took a step back defensively, but they could be very, very good offensively, but there's the, they're all there, but if the Phoenix get out of here, like, what are you talking What are people talking about Phoenix? Um, I just think, I, I think they, they should be fighting for a top three spot. And I, I, I also don't necessarily think the Lakers are going to just go, go crazy in the regular season. I think they're the prohibitive favorite in the NBA because their roster is good. Um, but, but I thought last year they might take it off too. And they, they got the one seat. So I, I think, I think the jazz are, are right there in that in right there in the after Lakers tier. Yeah. In my opinion, I think they are threatening to go up. Um, all think, right, cool. Well, Doug, yeah. Oh, just a, just a quick, I just think continuity and depth are going to be the two of the biggest yeah. things that i mean this is going to be a halfway covid halfway vaccine season um yeah and who knows the aftermath right so it i mean people are going to be getting sick people are going to be getting injured and the jazz have a deep team they've got a lot of guys that can shoot a lot of guys that can score um and now we've got a little bit more defensive presence so i think those that as far as a short off season goes and everything. I think the jazz have the best preparation as far as, or really good preparation, at least. Yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. All right, Doug. Well, let's, uh, we'll see how it goes, but let's, let's jump into everybody's favorite segment, our social media highlights. Hashtag social media. Yay. Um, I got a panoply, uh, but I'll probably only share one or two of them. But what do you what do you got? You got one for me? Yeah, I've got one. I think it's pretty funny. So this is from Ben Anderson. Um, and it's a quote from the jazz game. It's Mike Conley after the game yesterday. Um, and and it's Mike Conley talking about the fans. Did you see this tweet? No. Oh, okay. So Ben Anderson says Mike Conley called having jazz fans in the arena. In quotes, a breath of fresh, a breath of fresh air, which is admittedly weird wording in the light of masks and COVID, etc. I thought that was I pretty, did see that. I, That's pretty funny. There were no no fans in the Trailblazers game, um, and obviously none in the bubble. And so, even just having the fifteen hundred or however many they had at the game was a breath of fresh air for Mike. So I thought I thought that was. That's pretty funny. Very funny. Very, very funny choice of, of words. Um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, it's interesting to see fans, you know, obviously they're, they're making determinations there about what's safe and what's not and following guidelines and stuff. But uh, yeah, that was funny. I, I had seen that. Um, all right. Well, let me give you one. Um, Riley Geisman, who I, I think is really smart um, person to follow on, on jazz Twitter at our G-I-S-S-11. 
Um, so somebody else um, was referring to John Hollinger's article, uh, who, as a reminder, we talked about him on the podcast last year too, at the beginning of the season. He's just kind of a snarky dude. Um, he invented player efficiency rating or, or this, this advanced stat that ESPN's all touted. He used to write for ESPN. He, he created a, a power ranking algorithm that ESPN still uses. And then he went and was part of the front office for the Memphis Grizzlies for a few years where he mixed, mixed success. So he, he writes this article, just slandering the jazz for all this stuff, like player option stuff on the margins, trading two picks to the next or, or pick to the next that got traded for two. Oh yeah. Yeah. All these things. And, uh, and he's just kind of snarky. I mean, he, he's a smart guy. It's not like you shouldn't should disregard what he says. He writes for the athletic now, but he was kind of sour on the jazz and Riley Geisman responded to somebody else's tweet saying like, read this. Um, and he's like, John Hollinger gave a 29 year old Mike Conley a super max after the Grizzlies had a negative two net rating. All right. So let's put that one aside. Cause we like Mike Hollinger gave Chandler Parsons a massive four year, $94 million contract. Hollinger fired their franchise's most successful coach after their only Western Conference Finals appearance. I couldn't care less what he has to say. And I just, I just thought that was funny. Just because, like, sometimes people are, I don't know, like, he's, John Hollinger's probably wonderful, and he's also trying to get you to read his stuff. So, so I guess just having a hardcore opinion about something sounds um, catchy, and then maybe people read it. But I just think it's kind of funny that people can't be a little more self-aware i mean he's been wrong about plenty of stuff um do you have anything else on on social there um not really there are some other videos that i thought were pretty funny but hard to describe so just yeah, that one. I, yeah. I did like my my one of my favorite um twitter follows um and now i'm now i've lost it shoot uh, Travis Lincoln Cox. Oh, I couldn't think of his name for a second. He always tweets like after every jazz win, jazz win were the best there ever was. We'll never lose again. And then after every loss, jazz lost. This is the worst day ever. Yada, yada. We're never going to. And I just like that. He's done that twice already this, you know, one of each already this season. It was kind of fun. Makes me happy to be back. And I would just say, if you haven't read, um, Rudy's letter to Utah, I mean, We'll retweet it again on Cal High Globe. Maybe we'll throw it on calhighglobe.com. We're going to resurrect the site here a little bit as the season gets going. Um, you should read it. And if you haven't watched the video that the, the Jazz made about him that Boris Diaw narrates, just do yourself a favor and go read it. Go watch it alone in the dark somewhere and just have a have a cry. It's it's perfect. Um, and then afterwards, you can watch the highlight of of big dope dunking on Ennis Canner to make you smile again too in a different way. But and there's a, social media. there's a couple of videos where you can watch highlights from the game yesterday and it looks like we almost won and it just kind of cuts off when we're, when we're down two or down three. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just totally, I totally second that. The, um, the Boris Dio video is just so good. It's amazing. Oh, man. I loved um, it. But yeah, you need to read the Rudy letter and watch the Boris Tia video. And just, just feel good about it. sure. Life. All right. Well, Doug, let's do our and one segment. And one, and one. Yeah! 
I'm going to, I'm going to be short with this. I, I almost felt like saying something about this at the beginning, but this is, this is a Utah jazz podcast, but um, in this segment, we often talk about other stuff, Utah sports related. And I just have been like many other people who just were, I'm, I'm a, I'm a university of Utah alum and a Utah sports fan. And the news about Ty Jordan passing was heartbreaking. And I haven't even really said much about it on Twitter or anything. Jeep and so many people said so many nice things, but just devastating and wanted to say that every good vibe I have, I send to his family and I ache for them. And I will say this it feels cheap because life is so much more than this, but he was the most promising freshman athlete I can remember in a long time in a program that I've cheered for. I mean, we just had Zach Moss who was probably the best running back Utah's ever had or one of them. And then to have this guy come in, he was so dynamic and amazing. And we all had this short season, but like the, the bright spot was like, Oh man, we've got Ty Jordan and he's going to be around. And he also had, I think one of the most contagious um, smiles uh, I've seen. I just like really indelible in the post games, just seeing this dude smile and everything everybody said about him. I couldn't believe it when I woke up to the news. I, I was hoping it was was not right or inaccurate, but um, I just my heart goes out to everybody in his family and everybody related to him and. It was nice to see the whole Utah sports community sort of come together and a lot of BYU and Utah State fans that I know on Twitter who put Ty Jordan pictures as their avatar and said um, nice things. And it was just devastating. And I just felt like we had to say something about it. No, I agree. Um, and uh, when I, I got on Twitter early that morning and I saw just like random people posting about it that I had never heard of and no confirmed sources. And then I just kind of got off Twitter and with a really weird, sad feeling that I just hoped that it wasn't real. Um, Just to put into context, just some other things that you said, I mean, the Utes only played five games this season, um, but um, Ty Jordan won the... um, Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. I think he was second team all Pac-12. Not that in the end stats really mattered, but um, he was a really impactful player. Um, and 600 plus yards in five games, six touchdowns. Um, practically had the whole Utah running back room transfer because he was so good. Um, and it's just devastating, devastating um, that it happened on Christmas Day, devastating that it happened at all. And it's just really sad. It's cool to see the community come together, but um, definitely not something that should have happened. Uh, yeah, I follow, I follow Jamal Anderson and Zach Moss and some other, like all, all Utah people, like sort of part of that community saying stuff about it. Um, his, his mom had passed earlier in the fall. There was like a really touching story about another player, like kneeling and praying with him after a high school game for his mom. 
just sounds like a good guy. So, um, yeah, rest in peace to Ty Jordan, uh, the greatest freshman running back that has ever gone to my alma mater. Um, so. yeah. All right, well, Doug, but so fun to be on this with you. Season two, here we go. Love you, my man. Uh, this is twos and threes. Boom. Boom. Um.